All right. Well, hey, before we get started, I just want to be very upfront. I don't want you to be jealous of my scooter, okay? <laughs> I know you are. I don't mean to cause you to stumble, but this bad boy is going home with me. Anyway, uh, welcome to Central. My name's Tim. I get to serve as one of the pastors uh, here, and uh, I'm so honored that you decided to kick off your week with us. As we uh, tie a bow on this series, uh, we've called the Holy Spirit. And as we get started, I want to uh, just look into that camera and say thanks for being with us. Those of you joining us online, listen to a a podcast. Uh, Hope the weather is sunny wherever you may be. And whenever you get to San Jose, we'll have some sunny weather waiting for you. But it's not today, so uh, welcome to those of you online. Let's give it up for them joining us online today. We're glad you're here. Well, hey, um, quick update. Uh, you may have noticed some construction going on around here. Uh, we got a fresh coat of paint on the church looking good and uh, some uh, skylights going in under there. And as Tiffany mentioned in the announcements, next week we'll be tearing up all the concrete on the patio area and uh, putting down some pavers. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really nice. Uh, but what that means is next week we're going to need to go through those doors right there. If you missed that announcement, next week these doors, kids check in, will be in a different area. We are very excited. Excited for that over Memorial Day weekend. And not only am I excited about that, but I'm excited to hear from our very own, one of our uh, board of elders, uh, Richard Rock, will be bringing the heat next week. Excited for, for Richard to be preaching. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. Even if you're traveling, uh, plan to jump online because that will be a message you do not want to miss. Well, um, here's a confession. As we tie a bow on week four of this series, we've called the Holy Spirit. I have to admit, we are barely scratching the surface on this topic of who the Holy Spirit is, uh, how he operates in our life, and what he desires to bring uh, into our life. But week one, we did a kind of a flyby, uh, looked at who the Holy Spirit is and, some, and what, what he'll do in our lives. We looked at Jesus' words in John 14, 15, and 16. Week two, we looked at how, how the Holy Spirit brings clarity to our purpose and also power to carry out that purpose in our life. Last week, week three, we looked at how how the Holy Spirit offers uh, spiritual gifts. The Bible talks a lot about spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. And so my my hope is that you had a great discussion about that in your groups uh, over the past week. My my hope is that you went online and took one of those online assessments we had laid out in your your program. But if you didn't do any of that, there's still good news. Uh, We're gonna be kicking off um, a Thrive class this summer here on campus, dual purpose. Um, But one of the purposes is to help you identify what your spiritual gift is and how your spiritual gift best finds expression in the life of of the church and in the world around us. So I'll be looking for more information on that. It'll probably kick off in July. Uh, So there's hope. If you didn't get to take an assessment, we will have you dialed in uh, by the end of the summer. It'll be awesome. And today, as we land the plane, we're going to be looking at uh, a couple more characteristics of the Holy Spirit by looking at uh, what the Holy Spirit means in the original language and what that, how that relates to our life today. And then some of you have been asking, well, hey, I get it. I need the Holy Spirit, but how do I experience the Holy Spirit in a very practical, tangible way in my life? So we're going to be looking at that. Before we do, I read an article this week about uh, individuals who receive heart transplants. And uh, doctors have observed that a small percentage of patients who receive another person's heart from a donor gets put into their body, they actually begin to crave what that individual craved. And so uh, one woman who received a heart transplant from a a young male woke up after that surgery and and automatically began craving chicken nuggets and beer because uh, that was that guy's favorite meal. And um, they've observed that people 
often see shifts in their personality after heart transplants, uh, their taste for the arts and, and people, and even, even their, their dreams at night begin to shift after heart transplants. And scientists have a theory about cellular coding uh, that, that may be a cause for that, but really at this point it's just more of a mystery than anything else, and, and no one really knows how or, or why that takes place. Yeah, but I say that to say this, the Christian experience is a lot like that. Uh, here's what the Bible says, that, that, that whenever you surrender your life to God and you begin to follow Jesus, that there's this supernatural thing that takes place where, where God removes my stubborn heart of stone and gives me a sensitive heart of flesh to where my desires, my hopes, my dreams are no longer my hopes, my dreams, but actually God's hopes, God's dreams for my life. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit not only spearheads that process, but he gives us power to fulfill those dreams, power to walk in what God has asked us to do. And that's a beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit and why I believe it's essential to each one of our lives to wrap our minds around who the Holy Spirit is and how do we tap into the power that he offers us as believers. And so, as mentioned, uh, two objectives. We're going to look at the, the word Holy Spirit in the original languages, and, and then we're going to look at how, how do we fill up with the Holy Spirit. So, so my hope for you, my hope for me, is that we'd be so full of God's presence that, that God would actually splash out into the world around us as we go to work, as we go to school, and to go about our lives. Well, some of you know that uh, the Old Testament uh, was originally written in this Hebrew language, and then it was translated into English. And the New Testament, for the most part, was written in Greek, and then translated from Greek into English. And I believe that the translators do a beautiful job in that process. I believe uh, that, that there's very few things that, that we don't really get from the original manuscripts. I think they do a good job of putting it in our modern English vernacular. When it comes to this word, Holy Spirit, I think there's just not an appropriate word in our English language, though. And so here's what I mean. In, in, in Hebrew, uh, the word that is often translated Holy Spirit or Spirit or Holy Ghost in our Bibles is this word ruach. It's like you have to clear your throat when you say that. Ruach, like you're hawking up a loogie. Um, ruach. The definition of it is wind or breath or a violent exhalation or a blast of breath. And so whenever we come to the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter, just two verses in, we read this in Genesis 1, verse 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the ruach, the breath of God, was hovering over its waters. And so, like, how do you put that into words? Like, how do you describe that in a way that makes sense? And so the translators did their best, and they said, Ah, oh, it's the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. And I think that's, that's fair. Uh, versus a, a violent wind was hovering over the waters. You know, that would be like, ah, oh, that's whatever. Cool, cool breeze, nice. Um, but, but the spirit, I think, is an accurate description of that. Uh, in the Greek language, it's a pneuma. Uh, the P is silent. Uh, but here's what that means. It's a current of air. It's a blast of breath or a strong breeze. And so in John 6, 63, this is Jesus speaking, and here's what he says. He says, the words I have spoken to you are pneuma, their, their spirit and their life, their, their breath. The words I've spoken to you are breath. And so if I was like, hey, the words I've spoken to you are breath, you guys are like, well, yeah, like I understand you're breathing right now, like that makes sense. Uh, but that's not what Jesus is trying to say. He says, the words I have spoken to you actually have the power to bring you life. That's more than just natural Breath, And so um, my hope, um, if you're like me, my background, uh, I grew up in a background where the Holy Spirit's kind of like, 
You just don't talk about it, right? Because things get weird when you do. And so my hope is that we wouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has a whole lot to say about God's Spirit. And so my hope for us as a church, my hope for you individually, that you would embrace who the Holy Spirit is and what he desires to do in your life. And one of my, my, my hopes over these next few minutes that we will relate the Holy Spirit to what it literally means, wind, breath, and, and, and look at wind in such a way that next time you feel the wind, next time you see the breeze blowing, you'd be reminded that God's presence, God's Holy Spirit is with you and active in your life. So four characteristics of wind and ultimately four characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first is this, if you're taking notes in your program, let me bust mine out so I can follow along. If I do my job, uh, you'll have all these fill in the blanks filled in. Uh, by the time the Sharks game's over. Uh, so I hope you got a couple hours. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> How about those Sharks, by the way? Boom. Let's go. Hey, three fans. Everyone else is at the game. Awesome. Well, number one, uh, wind is unseen. Wind is, is unseen. Uh, uh, my hope that the reason that we gather together every week into a place like this isn't so that we can experience great songs. I think, I think we do experience good songs. Uh, my hope is that we gather together in a place like this every week so you can hear uh, riveting, edge-of-your-seat type of teaching. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, that's not why we gather together, because if you do, you're prepared for disappointment. Um, uh, my hope is that we gather together every week to experience God's presence. My prayer every week before I step on the stage, before, while we're back there praying, is God, in a room full of people in different stages of their journey, some are skeptics, some don't even believe in you, some have been following you all their life, some are, are fully devoted followers of Christ, but God, wherever we are on this journey, God, may you meet with us. Because more than anything else, more than anything I could say, God, we just need a fresh encounter with you. We just need more of you in our life. And that's unseen. You can't, you can't see it, but you can feel it. And my hope is that you leave this place with some fresh wind in your sails every week. And Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit and describing to them who this Holy Spirit is and what he'll do in their life in John 14, 15, and 16. And so in John 14, right before he goes to the cross, in verse 16 through 17, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. We talked about that word on week one, uh, to help you. And here's the deal. He's going to be with you forever. That's good news. There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can run where the Holy Spirit won't be with you. No amount of time can pass where, where the Holy Spirit's going to abandon. No, he's going to be with you forever. Uh, he's the spirit of truth. Check this out. Next, next part. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. And some people, some people around us, maybe some people here, some people you go to work with, some people in your circle of influence, they, they won't accept him because God does not fit into their scientific formula. And so, so it's just a, a challenge for them. But Jesus says, but you know him. He lives with you and he will be in you. And so more than anything else, when we gather together, more than anything else, my hope is that, God, you would show up and what is unseen may be felt. And you might say, well, Tim, you can't just run on your feelings. And I would say, that's absolutely right. You can't run on your feelings. But it sure does help sometimes to feel what you're running on, doesn't it? And God's presence is here. He shows up in a unique and powerful way when his kids gather together to put some fresh wind in your sails. So after a dry and tiring week, you can leave this place refreshed. And that's my hope for you every week. You leave this place knowing that you've encountered the divine. Second characteristic of wind and also the Holy Spirit is that the wind is unpredictable. 
right? Wind is unpredictable. Uh, Mike and I were, were talking weeks ago, and we're like, oh, May is the perfect time for a remodel on the patio. It never rains, right? <laughs> it was like raining cats and dogs out there with some hail mixed in. Like, how awesome is that for the month of May? It's unpredictable. You just don't know. You don't know. Wind is unpredictable. You don't know when it's going to blow in. You don't know when it's blowing out. You don't know where it came from. And I would just say, I think the Holy Spirit's a lot like that. And if you're like me, I like predictability. I like, I like things a certain way, and I like to know what's going to happen next. And I'm just saying, if you're like me, then God's going to mess you up because he's unpredictable. He doesn't fit in my little box the way I want him to sometimes. He does things that are contrary to the way I think. And so uh, C.S. Lewis put it this way. Uh, he said, he is not safe, but he is good. God is not safe, but he is good. And so let's be honest, like, like this faith journey. This, this idea of following Jesus is not a safe adventure. It's a daring adventure full of risk and some unpredictability. But along the journey, you can know that he's good, that he is trustworthy. He is faithful, but he might not be predictable. He is a God of order, but we don't always know what he's going to do next. Here's what I mean. This is Jesus' words in John 3, uh, 8, and this is the only place where we see a literal translation, translation of this word pneuma. Uh, Jesus answered, the wind, there it is, pneuma, blows wherever it pleases, right? Uh, you, you hear it sound, but you, don't, you can't tell where it, it comes from or, or where it's going. Watch this. So it is with everyone born of pneuma, of the breath of God, of the spirit of God. The wind blows wherever it wants. You don't know where, I, don't know where, I don't know where this rain came from. It just blew in, and it's going to blow out. We don't know where it's going. So it is with you. If you're a child of God, you're born of the Spirit. And so the opportunity for us can be very unsettling, but it's a daring adventure when we say, God, my life is yours. Wherever you want from me, that's what I want. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. We submit ourselves to God, and there's, there's great life in that, but there is a level of un predictability. And my prayer for you, my prayer for us, my prayer for the bay is that, God, you bring fresh wind into this place. That, God, you bring revival here in the bay. That you bring revival across America. That you would awaken us to who you are and the power and, the, and your presence in our lives. And here's what I know to be true. If he will and when he does, it'll probably be in an unpredictable manner that I don't foresee coming. It won't be because we have our systems and structures in place, although I'm a man of system and structures, and I will get that in place. But it won't be because of that. It'll be because God's presence shows up, and he does something in a way that probably we haven't thought of yet, in an unpredictable, unprecedented manner. Oh, God, would you have your way in us? That's my prayer. That leads me to a third point. Wind is powerful. Wind is powerful, right? Wind has the power to generate energy, to sail a ship, or destroy a city. Like, wind is powerful. Uh, my wife, Tiffany, and I, we grew up in uh, the Midwest. And in 2011, in Missouri, uh, I, was, I was pastor at the time. Tiffany was teaching and coaching volleyball. And our schedules were like ships passing in the night. We have a one-year-old at the time. And so Sunday afternoons were very sacred to us. And so after dinner, one Sunday afternoon, I'm like, well, hey, let's go hang out. Let, let's go get some ice cream. And uh, they had tornado uh, watches out there. And so, so there's two things. There's a tornado watch, which means... The conditions are ripe for a tornado. Uh, there's a tornado warning, which means, like, you better get into the bathtub or under a podium because, like, things are about to get crazy, right? 
And so uh, on this Sunday afternoon, we leave to go get ice cream. And uh, we're pulling out of our neighborhood, and the sirens start going off. Let us know that it's no longer a tornado watch, but this is a tornado warning. But if you've been in the Midwest, you know that there's a whole lot of warnings that don't actually produce tornadoes. And so I'm like a great man of faith or a great man of stupidity. And I'm like, I'm going to get ice cream, people. Like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not turning around. We're, this is our date day. We're doing this thing. We're getting ice cream. But uh, because of the sirens, I thought, well, I'll turn on the radio just to be safe, right? So I'm listening to the radio, getting weather updates. As we are in line to get ice cream, I've already placed my order. They, they come on the radio announcing that a catastrophic EF5 rated multi-vortex tornado has struck Joplin, Missouri. And this tornado, tornado reached the width of a mile wide. And it literally takes out hospitals, schools, neighborhoods. It's like a bomb dropped in that city. And it is bad. And so I'm like, can you guys hurry up with my banana split? We got to get home. It is 30 minutes away from us. I think we're in trouble. Uh, so I get my ice cream and we head home. Um, but wind is powerful, right? And, and many of you are going through some things. And I'm just, I'm just saying human power, human wisdom will not be enough to help navigate it and bring resolution. What you need is supernatural Guidance. What you need is supernatural help, supernatural ability to help you navigate this season, this situation in your life. I need God's power in my life to help me navigate some situations I'm facing, to help me ha have wisdom to know what the best next step is to do. And, and here's what the Bible promises. And, and God help us if we ever reduce our life to a natural life because you're called to live a supernatural life. Here's what it says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the most sophisticated Midwest vernacular, I say, well, come on with it then, because I need your spirit in my life. I need your power. I need your presence in my life to help me navigate some things that I cannot navigate on my own. And there are some of you here, and I'm just saying, it's mission critical to your family, mission critical to your marriage, mission critical to your ministry, that you get some fresh wind from God's presence to help you sail the course that he has before you because God has so much more for you, but you're not going to be able to navigate in your own ability. You need, need God's help. And that leads me to our fourth observation, fourth characteristic of wind, and therefore the Holy Spirit is, wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. One of my favorite things in summertime, uh, whenever it's smoking hot outside, we came from Vegas, we get like 120 degrees. Like they literally put roast in cars and cook them like meat, potatoes, and carrots on the news, like over a six period, hour period of time. Like it's cooked, like it's hot. And one of my favorite things, I get in a smoking hot car, I cruise down the road, roll down that window, and refreshing refreshing, like God's spirit is refreshing. And my hope for you is that, that every week you come to this place, you're refreshed. Not because of what I say, not because of what the band does or what anything that takes place, but, but God's presence would bring refreshing time into your life, a refreshing season. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says this, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind ha can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Isn't it nice to know that God has great things planned for you? Isn't it nice to know that, that the things that he has planned for you will, would blow our minds if we knew the full scope and sequence of them? The plans that he has for you, this side of eternity and certainly thereafter, are mind-blowing. He's got good things in store. Isn't it refreshing to know in the midst of life circumstances, God has, has our back. So take a deep breath. 
Breathe in. God's got good things for you. In Ephesians 4.30, in the message paraphrase, uh, here's what it says. It says, don't grieve God. Uh, don't, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit is moving and breathing in you in the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Check this out. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take such a gift for granted. Listen, God is working in your life. If, you would, if we would open our eyes, we could see him working the details of our life. God, God is shaping us. He's working in us to help us become more and more like him. He's doing this heart transplant thing so our desires become his desires. But, but man, I, I don't want to be a person that takes that gift for granted. And so how do we experience God's presence to a level that's overflowing? So when people encounter us, man, we splash out God's goodness. We splash out God's grace and not some of the other things that I tend to splash out from time to time. I want more of God in my life. So how do we experience that? Uh, four things. Number one, remove all the barriers. Remove all the barriers. Listen, God has more for you. He's more on your spiritual journey. He has more in store for you, more, more power, more, more perspective, more wisdom he wants to pour into your life. But, but if you're like me, one of the biggest barriers to encountering that, one of the biggest barriers to experiencing God to a greater degree is myself. I, I get in the way because I want things the way I want them. I want to do things my way. And so I have this closed-fisted mentality when I know God has invited me to live with an open-handed posture. I want things my way. I want to control, not surrender. But I know cognitively surrender is the only way to experience all God has for me. I, I hold on to grudges when I should forgive. I, I take the heart and I hold on to some things that people said to me when I need to, I need to just let it go. I hold on to some things from my past and I, I have a hard time forgiving myself sometimes. I need, to, I need to just extend some grace as God's extended to me. But sometimes the hardest barrier, the biggest barrier is, is myself. For some of us, uh, the biggest barriers are thought life. And maybe you're a new Christian. You, you've been following Jesus for like two hours. Uh, maybe you've been following Jesus for like 85 years. Uh, I, I believe our thought life can be one of the biggest barriers wherever we are on this spiritual journey. And so one of the uh, a verse that theologians uh, and a lot of scholars, a lot of smart people think is the shortest, clearest summary of how to experience life transformation is found in Romans 12.2. So now wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I, I'd encourage you to check this out, maybe even commit it to memory. Here's what this guy named Paul says in Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy. We're going to come back to that, that word. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do that? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn, then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, perfect, and pleasing. Listen, God's got good things for you. Uh, and the way that we experience life transformation is oftentimes between our ears. For me, when I started following Jesus, man, I was a mess. And my, my thinking was all jacked up. And the biggest help, the, the primary way that, that I think God began to reverse the wiring in my mind was, was committing scriptures to memory. And I just began memorizing chunks of the Bible at times. And I, I remember uh, feeling like, man, light bulbs came on. And I remember feeling liberated, like shackles were falling off of me in, in my life because my thoughts were more in line with God's thoughts. And that hasn't changed over the years, man, I'm, I'm still trying to align my thoughts with God's thoughts. But that word copy in the original Greek language means to uh, not conform. Don't be shaped by. Like it's this idea of like Play-Doh and you're pushing Play-Doh into a mold. He's saying don't let, don't let the world push you into its mold. But instead let, let God transform. Let God shape you into who he's called you to be by aligning your thoughts with God's thoughts for 
your life. Some of you need to start leading the group. Maybe you're, you feel like, man, I've plateaued and I feel like my spiritual life's stagnant. That's because God's poured so much into you. It's now time for you to start pouring yourself out into some other people and letting God flow through you in that process. For some of you, uh, I believe the biggest barrier in your spiritual journey is you haven't been baptized. You've made you just a leader in the forgiveness of your life. You can't figure out why you can't take ground. And I would just submit to you, perhaps... It's because you haven't gone public with your faith and gotten baptized since you made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. Because here's what the Bible says, the very next thing, the best next step after you embrace Jesus, after you become a Christian, is go public with your faith and get baptized. It's a lot like this wedding ring. Imagine my relationship with my wife. I was like, you know what, Tiffany, I'm just not going to accept this ring. I'm not actually going to wear it anymore. Uh, But I still love you, and I still hope this thing works out, right? Every man in the room knows that's not going to go too well. And every wife is like, you're freaking right. It's not going to go too well. You better put that puppy back on. Well, baptism is like that. We're identifying with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And for you to say, you know what? I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not sure I want the ring. That's a little bit insulting. And so the Bible makes it very clear. Once we begin to find, once we start following Jesus, best next steps to get baptized. Here's what I mean. Uh, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, this is Peter speaking, he's preaching, he says, says here's what you need to do, you need to repent. And that, that simply means this, my life's, I'm being molded by the world, I'm being pressed in by the world, my thought, I'm going this direction. And, and now I'm saying, you know what, I'm not going to be molded by the world's thoughts and words about me anymore, I'm going to be transformed, I'm going to align my life with God's word. I'm going to start going this direction, I'm going I'm to turn and go that way. So he says, here's what you need to do. You need to to repent. You need to turn. Be baptized. Every one of you, the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Check this out. And here's what's going to happen. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll get fresh wind into your sails. You'll you'll get a breath of new life into you. This is the promise for you, for your children, for all who are far off and all who, who God will call. Like, that's good news. And listen, if you haven't been baptized... No shame in that game. Hey, listen, you can't go back and create a new, new beginning, but all of us can begin today and create a new ending. Now, let me just say this. I know this to be true of Central Christian Church. No one celebrates baptisms like the Central family. This is the, fam- this is the home team, right? Yeah. So, so here's the deal. If you haven't been baptized, you have permission to zone me out the rest of the time. Some of you are like, well, I've been zoning you out for five minutes, bro. Well, hey, all good. But you just take out that connection card in the seat back in front of you. You fill out that top portion. You check that box, baptism. Because that's your best next step. Nothing else I say can be of much value to you until you take that next step. That's your best next step. And then in, at the end of the service, we're going to pass some plates. You drop that off. We'll follow up to you, get you some details on, on how to remove that barrier uh, in your life. Second thing. Uh, so first step, we've got to remove some barriers if we're going to experience all God has. Second thing I would say is we've got we to request, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. I would just dare you to pray this prayer, that you would come to a place in your life and, and maybe you got a background that's not real kosher with the Holy Spirit, not real uh, open to that idea. Uh, I would just dare you, I would just invite you to pray this prayer uh, with me where we come to a place where we say, God, I want all that you have for me. And, and if your Holy Spirit's real, if your Holy Spirit can fill my life, then God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you empower me to be the person you created me to be? And I believe God will answer that prayer 100% of the time. Because here's what Jesus said in Luke 13, 11, 13. He says, says, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God, it's his desire. It's a great gift that your Father wants to give to you. You just ask. And that leads me to our third part, third point, uh, receive him by faith. We've got to remove some barriers. We've got to request. We've got to receive him by faith. This is what it says in Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of this process because I like to know what my next step is. And this whole faith thing is this idea of like, sometimes we step into the unknown. Uh, I, I don't really like that. But I would say this, the journey of faith is marked out by steps of faith. And here, here's what I mean. Um, so for me, like just showing up to church, when I, when I was first new, when I knew to all this, just coming into a room like this was a big step of faith for me. Because I thought, man, everyone's going to point at me. Everyone's going to look at you and say, oh, man, you didn't, they know what you did last night. They're going to judge you. Oh, man, you better not go. It was a big step, big barrier for me to show up in a room like this. Some of you are there, and I just want to say thanks for having the courage, set aside fear, and show up today. Big step of faith. I get it. For some, for the next step for me, people are like, you need to join a group. I'm like, a what? A group? Like, I don't even know what that is. They're like, yeah, you need some guys around you to speak, speak into you, to help you, challenge you. And I'm like, nah. Those guys are perfect, right? I, I didn't know it at the time, but everybody's jacked up in the church. You guys need to know that. If you think that's a barrier, you think you're going to join a group of perfect people, no worries. They don't exist. But I thought that. It was a barrier for me. So I joined this group, a big step of faith. And on and on and on. Like uh, the, the journey of faith in relationship with God is a step of faith. It was a big step of faith for my family and I to, to uproot in Vegas and move to San Jose. We had friends, we had family there. We, we were settled. We had a great ministry was going on, but, but I felt like God was asking us to take, take a step of faith. I didn't understand it. I really didn't even like it at the time. But I'm so glad I did. Because now you guys are becoming family. And we get to be a part of this body and be a part of what God's doing here in a, in a new, fresh, unprecedented way. And so I just say this, don't be afraid to take a step of faith. Here's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, taking a step of faith, faith is taking a step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what taking a step of faith is. Taking a step, even when you don't see the whole staircase, you just, you, here's what you do. You trust that God's bigger than the unknown. I'm gonna trust an, a, an, a known God in the midst of unknown circumstances. We need to see life uh, through the lyrics. My three-year-old daughter came home singing this uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, thanks, Kristen, for an amazing Central Kids ministry here. She came home singing this song. Yeah, I think that's worth clapping for. Kristen, she's amazing. Yeah, big deal. So my daughter came home singing this song, top of her lungs. And I'm like, where did you learn that? I learned it at church. I learned it at church. And so here's what she said. And just imagine, how might your life look different if you approached your life this week through this lens, if you looked at life through this lens that said, my God is so big, my God is so strong, my God can do anything. That's what she'd say. My God is big, my God is strong, my God can do anything. And sometimes in the midst of faith steps, in the midst of, of the journey of faith, we're called to step into the unknown. But my hope for you and my hope for me, we would always approach those steps of faith 
from a posture that says, my God is big, my God is strong, and my God can do anything, and I'm going to trust him. And in 80 years' history of Central Christian Church, there's been some big steps of faith. Now, I'm just telling you, as we take new ground in a new season, there's going to be more steps of faith on the horizon because God has more in you, and he desires to do more through you. And we can trust him because he's big, he's strong. And here's the cool thing, too. Every invitation to take a step of faith is always coupled with an invitation to rest. It's always coupled with an invitation to rest in him. Here's what I mean. Uh, rest, not in the sense of I stop doing everything, but rest in the sense that I shift weight. And so right now, as I stand here, uh, I'm bearing all the weight of my body on my left leg. And, and, and this can become very tiring. This can become very wearisome. But here's what I know to be true. I have faith that that chair can hold my weight. I believe that cognitively, but I will not experience rest. I will not experience relief until I shift my weight to that chair. And here's my challenge to you. Here, here's my concern for some of you. You continue to stand on one leg and you say, I know God is big. I know God is strong. I know he can do anything. But you continue to stand on one leg because this is what I can control. If I sit on that chair, I have to let go of control and trust the chair. And I'm just saying God's asked some of you to do some really big things. And you feel the weight of that because you're still standing on one leg. But an invitation to take a step of faith is always coupled with an invitation to rest. So you can shift the weight of that circumstance. You can shift the weight of that decision. You can shift the weight of that season. Not on my shoulders, on God's shoulders. And here's what I do. I, 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 almost every day, I, I shift the weight. Because here's what I know. Ministry can be crushing. Some of you have a lot of stuff going on, and, and I, I empathize with that. I care about you. But, but some of it is just beyond me. And so, so almost every day when I pull off this parking lot, I open up my hand, and I say, oh, God, they need help that I can't offer. Would you help them in their marriage? Father, would you help them in their finances? God, would you help them navigating life's decisions? And in that moment, I shift the weight because it's not mine to bear. I, I do that with my kids. God, I, you've entrusted me with some kids, and I think they're awesome. I think they're a big deal, but God, I, I can't do this. I, I'm going to shift the weight. God, help me navigate this. Help me to know how to raise them in a way that brings you honor and pleasure. Shift the weight. Every step of faith is also an invitation to rest. Fourth and final observation. Relate to him daily. Relate to him daily. And here's how we do that. We encounter God daily. We relate to him daily by one, reading his word. I believe God speaks. And now he can speak to you in a variety of different ways. But I believe his primary way of communicating with you and with me is through his word, through the Bible. So I encourage you to engage with him daily through his word. I would challenge you every day, talk to God just like you talk to your friends. Because here's the deal. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've ever done, knows every aspect of your situation, knows every aspect of those relationships. And here's the deal. He's still crazy about you. He still desires relationship with you. And he has wisdom to help you navigate life. But you've got to relate to him daily through his word and through prayer and and he wants to know you, wants to be, be a best friend to you. Uh, I close with this. Uh, there's a, a passage I want to read, but before we get there, uh, I, my hope for you is that you would take your relationship with God to the next level. And here's what I know. 
virtually every arena of our life we can take to the next level. I'm excited. In the month of June, we're going to kick off a brand new series uh, called Summer at Central. And here's what it's going to be. It's going to be a a study over five weeks in June on the book of Proverbs, because I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit more wisdom in my life. And throughout the month of June, I, I would challenge you to read a chapter of the Bible every day. Every day, a chapter of Proverbs, and I believe God's going to pour our wisdom into your life personally and in our church collectively. Um, but it made, got me thinking about summer activities. And I don't know if you guys, uh, we got any campers in the room? Anybody like to go camping in summertime? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got four of you. Awesome. Um, so for the four of you, camping, like going outside, sleeping on the ground, Hoping you don't get eaten by wild animals is awesome. And, uh, and cooking your food over, wild, over open, open fire is, is really neat. I enjoy that as long as there's like a means to an end. Like if I'm going hunting, like I'll do that. Or like if I'm on a big hike, maybe I might, might do that. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, a hilarious comedian, he says, hey, if camping's so awesome, why are all the bugs trying to get in my house? Like maybe I know something they don't know, right? Uh, but for some of you who don't like camping, maybe you'd be open to, to glamping. I mean, taking camping to the next level. Check this out. Uh, this is this picture here, glamping. Like now camping might have been off the radar for everyone but four of you, but now it's all like maybe it's a possibility for everyone because that puppy's like a hotel. They got hot water. They got showers. They got bathrooms in those things. Like glamping all of a sudden becomes a very real possibility. And some of you might be like, no, that's ridiculous. That is not camping, does not count. What about grilling? We got any grillers? Anybody like to barbecue in the summer? Grill? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love grilling. And, and so maybe you're like, I'm going to take my grilling skills to the next level. And I'm not just going to have a cheeseburger. I'm going to have a double cheeseburger, baby. Double cheeseburger. Stack those puppies up. Maybe even a triple if you get crazy, right? Triple cheeseburger. Well, um, Heart Attack Grill in Las Vegas. That's right. That's the name of it. They came out with this burger called the Octuple Bypass burger. This burger has 20,000 calories in it. The octuple bypass burger has eight patties. That's four pounds of beef. That's 40 strips of bacon, chili, cheese, tomato, onions, and two buns, just to give you the illusion that that is actually a burger. Now, a lot of people look at that and you're like, that's gross. Like that is outrageous. Others of you look at that picture and you're like, challenge accepted, I'm going, I'm going. I've bookmarked it in Yelp, I'm going. Uh, But there's a way to take it to the next level. Oh, by the way, you have to eat at the heart attack grill in a hospital gown, just in case, just in case. But you can take camping to the next level. You can take cheeseburgers to the next level. You can even take your summer vacation to the next, next level. Here's what I mean. Check out this picture. Um, this is Standa Island in Tanzania. And you can actually rent that entire island for your summer vacation, right? Like, come on now, that looks awesome. Uh, the good news, you're like, well, how much is it? Well, the good news is for five days, five night stays, uh, it is only $125,000 for a five night stay. But you can take your vacation to the next level this summer. Sorry, Tiffany, we will not be going there. (laughs) But I say all that to say this. Maybe you're here and you feel like your spiritual life has gotten a little bit dry. You feel like maybe there's just no more. Let me just tell you there's more. Because of God's presence, because of the breath of God, he can breathe fresh wind into your sails. 
He can elevate your spiritual life to the next level, and that's really what he desires to do. Some of you are here, and you feel like, man, I'm thriving spiritually. I'm hitting on all cylinders. Life is awesome. And I would say, that's awesome. But there's more. God is the God who created the universe. He's a creative God. He's a big God. And if he's big enough to do all of that, he's big enough to do more in you. And he has more for you. But the way that we experience the more that he has, it's going to require some action steps on our part. Those action steps are removing the barriers that may be hindering us from experiencing all that he has. For some of you, it's getting baptized. You got to do that. For those of you, it's figuring out the thought life between your ears. Some of you, he's, he's asking you to take some action on some things in your life. You've just been delaying the process. And I'm just saying, until you remove that barrier, it's going to be a challenge. The way we take our relationship to the next level is, man, we request the Holy Spirit. We say, God, you're a good God. You give good gifts to your kids, and I'm asking to fill me with your presence. We receive him by faith, realizing that we don't see the whole staircase yet. But we trust him. We trust our God is bigger than the fear that we feel. We trust that we can trust a, a known God in the midst of any unknown circumstances because our God is big. Our God is strong. Our God can do anything. We receive him by faith. Then we relate to him daily because his mercy is fresh. It's new with every morning. I know some of you blew it this week, but hey, guess what? There's fresh mercy, fresh grace, fresh starts, new beginnings available to you. I close with this passage. We started with it week one. Spent some time talking about it in the first week of this series. It's found in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And this is the message paraphrase. And this is, this is a doxology. And all that means, it's kind of the end of a letter. And Paul's giving a blessing to this church in Corinth. And I want to close our experience today with this blessing over you guys. And here's what he says. I'm going to read it, but it's really my prayer for you. The amazing grace of the master... Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate relationship of the Holy Spirit may be with you, not just today, every day, forevermore. Well, Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that we can know you in a very practical, very powerful way. And God, some of us are in this room, and we just need some, some special direction from you. We need you to speak to us, give us wisdom on how to navigate some challenges we're up against. For some of us, we just feel dry and feel like maybe you're distant. So I pray, God, you come in like a flood, that you breathe fresh wind into our sails, God, so we can experience you fresh, that you breathe fresh life into our relationship with you. When we read your word, may it come alive to us, God. When we talk to you, may we hear your voice back to us, God. May you give us faith over fear to move forward and be the people that you've called us to be, to take action on things you've asked us to do. God, we need you more than anything else. Oh God, we just need you. So may you meet with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.